Everything is my fault is by far one of the most controversial things I say. But for me, it's just about taking ownership. And that word grabs my attention enough to make me want to take action. But guys, seriously, replace that word fault with whatever word hits you. Responsibility? Like literally whatever word makes you believe that your actions, your actions are on you. Because it is one thing to say you want to do something, say you want to achieve something, but it's a whole freaking other thing to actually do it. I mean, let's face it, it's bloody hard holding ourselves accountable because the truth is sometimes we have every single reason under the sun why. Why we broke that diet, why we didn't hit a deadline, why we missed that event. To hold ourselves accountable is bloody difficult because we are constantly facing our own insecurities. But luckily for us, today's guest, the undeniable Teddy Mellencamp, is here to show us exactly how to stop giving away our power and start holding ourselves accountable. Now, you may know her from that little reality show you may have heard of called The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but that's just her part-time side hustle. She's the founder of the multi-million dollar company All In by Teddy, built based on the lessons she learned from her own personal struggles. And now, her accountability coaching program aimed at nutrition and wellness is changing tens of thousands of lives. So guys, get your notepads, lean in, and let's take back our power and get accountable with today's Women of Impact, the real Teddy Mellencamp. Wow, thank you for that intro. I'm like, <laughs> I need you to be my hype girl. (laughs) I got your back, girl. I first heard about you. I'm a massive fan of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So I, you know, see you come on the show and starting to hear about your story. It was so freaking impactful because you talk about the weight issues that you've had in the past and having kids and then finally taking accountability of your actions and how that has changed you. So take me back to when you were struggling and what's that transition of taking the ownership actually look like? So for me, the very first thing was, you know, I grew up doing a very competitive sport, which I rode horses since I was five years old and everything that I accomplished, I would, I would take it by getting a blue ribbon. So blue ribbon meant first place. So that's the only way I knew how to build my self-confidence. So it was like, okay, you won today. This is a good day. Oh, you didn't win today. These are all the ways I'm going to beat myself up, which is kind of how my relationship started forming with food and everything else in my life. It became, you know, winning or losing. There was no just living. And, you know, I struggled with, you know, healthy boundaries and friendships, relationships, food, everything. You know, I moved out to California when I was 17 years old, started working in the mailroom at CAA, gained over, you know, 60 pounds because I was unhappy. And then I struggled, you know, back and forth with my weight, you know, from either you know, eating all of my feelings to surviving on diet, Dr. Pepper and string cheese, you know, like there was no balance. And it wasn't until I had kids that I realized I, I, this can't be their role model. This can't be the person I can't show my kids. This is how I, you know, you should grow up and live your life. Like they're watching what I'm doing. And I also have to love myself. And I also have to feel what my purpose is that doesn't involve around first place. (laughs) (laughs) 
So for me, you know, it was it was a big struggle for a while, you know, like um, I had a bunch of um, infertility issues. I went through IVF and there I had a couple of miscarriages and just things kind of in my mind kept happening to me. And so then I got to a pretty dark place after my son was born where I kind of became one of those people where misery loves company. You know, and I'd surround myself in situations where we'd all vent about our husbands or what's going on in our life and or how we don't feel good in our own skin or whatever it was. But I wasn't taking any accountability for the fact that I wasn't doing anything to change it. I would wait for my husband to come home from work and I would want him to validate my day for me. Like, I'd be like, these are all the things I did with the kids today. And like, he may have had a crazy day at work that day. And he's like, oh, great. And I'm like, that's your response. <laughs> I took everything so personal because I didn't have any pride in myself. My relationship with my husband was struggling. My ability to parent at my best capacity was struggling because my confidence wasn't there. My belief system in myself wasn't there. And then finally one day without talking to anybody about it, I just started an Instagram and said, Hey, I'm changing my life today. Follow along and see if I can do it. And it was, you know, it was a, you know, over a year journey before any business was formed or anything like that. It was mainly just, I need to figure out who I am. And then once I figure out who I am, I'm going to stand by this person. I think, you know, we all think we wake up and we are just this person. And these are all of the circumstances that made us this person. No, it's how we start our day. It's how we start our life. It's what we want. It's how we take action and the belief that we have in ourselves. And then once I started creating this new lifestyle, so it could be in anything. For me, it had to do with you know, people are like, it was weight loss, but no, it was once I started being active and taking care of myself, then all of a sudden I started requiring other things about myself that I cared about. I started having that purpose of feeling good in my own skin, of feeling confident, of feeling stronger, of accomplishing those goals that I set for myself every day. So an easy number one thing to switch is every single day I write down my three non-negotiables for the day. They could be anything. So it could be drink water, write in my journal, and, you know, go on a walk. Those were like my beginning type ones. Because now I don't need to make those my three non-negotiables because I already do those things. But the three non-negotiables non started changing my life because then I started keeping the promises I made to myself. Hmm. And how did that then, because you mentioned confidence, how does that then have that knock-on effect with your confidence when you've got that? Because you even said that win, right? So it's almost like you've changed these big, massive blue ribbons to go in, okay, maybe I don't have to kill myself to go that far to get a win. What is a win to me today? Well, now it's not, I'm competing against someone else. Right. It's now, a, it's myself. Yeah. I am pushing myself. And whether I am having a hard day or a great day, it's one foot in front of the other. And it's, I'm going to get it done. And I know I'm going to get it done because I've proven to myself time after time after time that I'm capable of doing it. Before I had set myself up to not trust myself to do those things, <laughs> to give up, to say, oh, I'm not worth it. I know I'm worth it. And I know even on the days where I want to break down or I may be crying on that treadmill or I, you know, just a complete hot mess express, I know I'm worth it. 
I freaking love that girl. Um, what did you do then? Cause I'm sure in those moments, especially at the beginning, and it's like what I mentioned in my intro is there, there, there are always excuses. And sometimes those excuses are so freaking valid, but those are the times that can stop you from, from becoming accountable with your actions to get to your goal. Did you have excuses? And then how did you break down those excuses, those barriers to get to that point? So, you know, whatever it may be, you know, oftentimes I'm just going to use working out because that's something that's, you know, a lot of people will think, okay, I want to start eating healthy and I want to start working out. So I'm going to have to do a 10, you know, I'm going to have to run 10 miles today and I'm going to have to prep every single meal in these little proportion boxes and I'm going to have to live my life in this little teeny box. And if I don't do it, I failed. No, it's taking steps each time that feels good and right to you. So some days, yes, I'm going to want to run seven miles. And some days, no, I'm going to want to take a leisurely walk. And you know what? Yes, I'm going to have healthy and clean foods in my fridge. And I'm going to prepare myself that way. But if one day I'm last minute and I'm trying to pull it together, I have healthy options, but I haven't pigeonholed myself into such a situation that I'm making myself miserable. Hmm. So it's really setting yourself up to succeed. And and then knowing if you're having a day where you don't want to do it, if you're saying, oh, I know I said I was going to go do this like major hike with, you know, but I just don't feel like it. Then go, you know what? Just take a walk around the neighborhood like you can pivot and still keep your goals intact. People act like it has to be the same thing. It doesn't. That's what I was going to ask you, though. So let's say, for instance, you're like, okay, my goal is to go on a healthy lifestyle. Okay, this is my strategy. This is what I'm going to plan out. I think that I'm going to do well. Like I'm setting myself up for success. And on day five, let's say, you're starting to feel the burn. You're starting to feel the crash. And I do what you say. And it's like, you know what? Give yourself some grace. How do I know when to give myself grace? And how do I know when I'm not holding myself accountable? Yeah. So the biggest key to changing your life and staying consistent is being vulnerable with the people that matter in your circle. Mm -hmm. So if you know you have that negative Nancy, you still love her, but she is just negative and she's always bringing you down because she's got her own stuff that she's not ready to work through. Don't talk to about it with her. Talk to it about it with Amber, who's always, you know, your biggest cheerleader and say, Amber, I'm really struggling here. And I want to whatever it may be. I don't want to drink wine other than Saturday nights. Can you like be my accountability buddy and just hold me to this? And then the next thing you can do is write it down. So now there's two different ways that you have not just thought it in your head because it's easy to totally give up on yourself on something you've only told yourself. But once you've written it down, seen it, and told somebody else, nobody wants to do that. Yeah, I love that. And I was actually going to ask, like in those moments where let's say you're emotionally not feeling like you actually want to stick to it, right? Because we have these emotions. It's like when we first start, we're driven, we're excited, we're amped. And then the reality kicks in, the the emotion changes, maybe you're having a shitty day. And then all of a sudden you go to, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not interested in it. And so I was going to say, how do you approach that when someone's like, I don't want to do it anymore? But I think you even said, have them write it down as almost, is it like proof? Like, hey, you and show it to them. Yeah, it's this is a reminder, but also it's shifting yourself to when you're having that moment. I don't want to do this anymore. You're you're wanting to say I want I want to give this up. I want to throw in the towel. 
you have created a narrative for yourself to give up on yourself. Mm. But if you just continue to say, I have done this my way so many times and look where it's gotten me. You've decided to make this lifestyle change. You've decided to do this because you really wanted it. Mm. And I think when you really think about that, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? What is your end goal for me? You know, and you also have to figure out your, your why, what is your why? So like for me, it was, I want to wake up and take care of myself, which means being active, eating healthy, drinking water, because I struggle with anxiety. I know that those tools give me the strength to be a better mom, a better wife, better in business, whatever it may be, versus when I don't feel good, am laying in bed, scrolling on Instagram, comparing myself to everybody else, and taking myself down that negative path. So it's you have choices. And it's just staying with it and really knowing what your why is. And knowing you're not going to love everything at the beginning. Mm -hmm. It takes time. So example, if I have a client who's, you know, been, you know, done the two week jump start, and now they're going into monthly, and all of a sudden, the second weekend of the monthly, they're like, hey, you know what, I just kind of wanted to, I think I've got all the tools that I need, I'm ready to go on my own, I have to ask them. And I mean, you don't need to be in the program to do this. But if you're in the process of changing your life, and you're six weeks in, and all of a sudden, you're telling yourself, you know what, I don't need to write it down anymore, or I don't need to get it done in the morning, or whatever those things are that you know, works for you. That's your mind playing tricks on you, telling you it's okay to quit. So when you feel those triggers, which may be like for me, I know I've got to get my workout done in the morning. If I wait till the night, I'm not doing it. I know that about myself. So if I wake up one morning and I'm like, oh, I'm just so tired. It's, you know what? I've been wanting to try a spin class at eight o'clock at night. I'm wondering how that's, I know I am manipulating myself to not do it. How did you come up with that clarity? That is so freaking powerful and I love that so much, but I'm assuming that didn't come naturally. So how on earth did you get to that point? I got to that point by pen to paper because when I would get at the end of the day and I would look at my three non-negotiables and I would go, no, how did this happen? Like I said I was gonna do this and it was like, then I started realizing my formula that works for Mm. me. And I think that's what everybody has to do. You figure out what balance you need for you or how much sleep or whatever it may be, but start writing it down and see the patterns that you fall into. If every single night at nine o'clock you get into bed and you have a habit of eating, I don't know, Swedish fish and watching a movie, then what you have to do is change your nightly routine. Because if, if you set up a situation that you aren't used to, then you're not going to want to go to old habits. So maybe it's, I'm going to take a bath at this time. Or when I'm done eating for the night, I'm going to brush my teeth to signal to myself, I'm done. Or whatever it may be. But figure out what your triggers are so that then you can work you know, in a positive way instead of, these are the things I can't have. Now I can't watch my show anymore because I only like the show when I can have the candy. Yeah, I love that so much, girl. And um, I want to now go to like um, taking ownership. So like I said, you're on a show, it's freaking massive, but you are being filmed and you've said the good, the bad and the ugly all get shown. Now, the beautiful thing about regular humans that aren't on television is you hide all the bad and the ugly and you try to only show the good. Um, But you literally leave everything out there. 
Now, because it's, I assume, um, because of your profession, is you're always looking to grow and improve and change. So let's say, take a season back, something has happened in the show, a season, uh, something's happened, you've learned a lesson from it, you've grown, but it hasn't aired yet. So now right. you've changed, you've grown, you've dealt with maybe an argument with one of the ladies or something, and I've heard you say it then airs and it opens up old wounds. Right. Um, how do you not get stuck there? So if you're taking accountability in the moment, you've already dealt with the issue, and now it comes back up, the old wound is there, but you've already addressed it. How do you stay strong? How do you address it again without making yourself feel like you did when it first happened? Well, I think the biggest thing is if you're being authentic to who you are, you can kind of always live with it. So like, for example, I've made a lot of mistakes on the show. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Um, but if you are being yourself and you're not trying to portray somebody you're not, and this is true to real life as well, then any mistake you made is a human error. But in that moment, that's how I felt. And in that moment, I had to say how I felt or what I signed up to do by being on this show is a fraud. So, yes, I might not have the best reaction or, yes, I may have judged this situation wrong or I may have acted like a know-it-all, whatever it may be. But that's how I have to live with it. And, yes, it is going to open old wounds. And that's where it's totally a mind game to do this. And then I have to go and film a reunion and talk about it all again and relive those emotions. But the important thing that I always have to tell myself, which I really believe resonates, whether you're on a TV show or not, is am I doing what feels true to me or am I doing this for somebody else? What somebody else is going to think of me? And if I consistently remind myself this is what feels right to me, I can always work through it. If I do it because, okay, this is going to make so-and-so like me more, or this is going to make the audience look at me and agree with me more, or whatever the situation may be, I'm going to, I'm going to fail. So it has to just be a, an authentic conversation you have with yourself, like a real, you know, like, yeah, you know what, Teddy, you messed up there. Or you, there are moments that I'll watch back and I'll get killed for something and I'll go, you know what, I still agree with what I did. <laughs> All right. I love that. And then, you know, you got to lean into it and figure out what it is about you that you can't work through this issue. But it's just you can't ignore it. And you also have to surround yourself with real people that are going to tell you you know what, actually, you did kind of look like an ass there. Actually, you did do that. You know, whatever it may be, not yes, men. I don't want to be surrounded by people that tell me everything I do is great. Mm -hmm. Like, I, no, that was perfect. Did that involve, you know, I love that my husband can be like, well, you did overreact a touch there, my love. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, all right, let me watch that back. All right, I guess I did. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a 
billion billion with a b professionals which makes it the best place to hire because guys it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else and so linkedin does all that while making the process easy and intuitive which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates and it's so easy in fact that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours so post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash lisa that's linkedin.com slash lisa to post your job for utterly free and of course terms and conditions always apply As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash lisa all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. That's what I was going to say because there's there's almost some, you know, like you were saying, things, old wounds come back up. That can be hard, but there is a certain amount of reflection that you can do um, having some emotional distance from a situation so that you can kind of see it with um, without the emotional lens. And so I was going to ask what you suggest the regular person um, does because they don't have a TV show to watch back. But I actually think you answered that in your answer with saying your husband. So like having surrounding yourself with people that are going to call you on things. Um, yeah. How important is that? And how do you find those people? What things do you look out for to know to trust people that that you're going to be, they've got your best interest at heart? I think it's very important to set boundaries and to talk about things that really, you know, work for you in a friendship and who you are. And then you guys go into a friendship knowing that you're on the same page. Like, for example, I am never going to be the friend that like wants to go to a late night dinner and like stay up super late. Like, that's just not me. Don't get your feelings hurt. So like, I always put it out there. And just having that fluid communication, even over silly things, I think is super important. But it's also um, having conversations where you're not just talking to someone. You're, you're actually having conversations back and forth. I feel like so often we're venting and we don't want anything back. So I think it's, it's specifying at the beginning of the conversation with your person. So let's say I'm upset about something. I come to you. Sometimes I may just want you to listen and give me a hug at the end, but sometimes I'm coming to you because I want advice. And I think that difference, if you tell your friend at the beginning, it's so much more beneficial. 
I love that so much. So I actually have a quote from you that I heard because I heard um, you were really struggling and I'd love to talk about your daughter, Dove, if you're open to discussing um, her health issues. But I, I heard in an interview where you had said that you'd gone home and because your husband couldn't be with you at the time, you um, you were really upset and you had to tell him. And he's very positive. And so he's coming back with these super positive things to make you feel better. And you came back and you said, can you just let me crumble for a second? And I was like, wow, that is so powerful because you've clearly built a relationship with your partner where you're able to say really upfront and honestly what you need in that no that moment without fearing judgment. Um, and I love that. And I would love to talk about how you got to that point um, and if you are open to talking about Dove um, as well. Yeah, of course. Um, I think the biggest thing for me when it comes to my relationship with my husband, I mean, I think so we're both in business and we're both like go-getters and we're both aggressive and, you know, we know what we want and we're, all these things. But we, I've noticed that we handle, you know, a bad news for lack of a better word differently. And we always have. And I remember, you know, back 10 years ago, I used to take it personally that he didn't handle information the same way I did. Oh, and I'd be like, what does this mean ab like about him? Or what does this mean about us? Or what does this mean about, you know, I just overanalyzed every situation. And I realized there is no harm in just saying exactly what you need in the moment. And then you learn so much more about the person, and, you know, and tenfold. You know, like if an example with Dove, I had no idea. I hadn't prepped Edwin on anything happening because I didn't think I was about to be going and hearing some sort of big news. I thought I was just doing like a routine check before she got her, um, before she was told she was going to need a doc band for torticollis. So I was not expecting it. And I think, and I'm a planner, so it was just a lot for me. And I was thinking about how much it was going to be for her and what it was going to be. Like my head had already gone to 20 steps further when they said, you know, she's going to be in the hospital for six days. Um, you know, your husband's only allowed to be there the day of the surgery. And then it needs to be one or the other. And the recovery is difficult. And, you know, all of these things, like I just, I straight went to the negative and, you know, Edwin wanted to fix it immediately before he had all the information. And I, I, sometimes I love that about him. And sometimes I'm like, you can't fix this. Let's just embrace and hold each other. But then he came around, you know, like once I said what I needed that night, Maybe I didn't 100% get it, but the next day I did. And the next day he had thought about it because his initial reaction of like, okay, I'm going to fix this and I'm going to make this all feel better and I'm going to wrap this up in a pretty bow and we're going to be able to do this. You know, it's easy. We're, we've got this. All of a sudden reality kicked in. We can't control this. All we can do is have faith and be there for each other. You have to have the the hope and the you know, I just actually did a podcast on hope, but the hope that the best is yet to come. And what does that hope then do for you in regards to staying strong and keeping the course? Because you're, you know, dealing with four kids and you're um, 
you know, going through these emotions yourself, you're a human being. So when you're trying to be there and strong for your kids, but allowing yourself to feel weakness, because I think it's important as women, as human beings, that we allow ourselves to feel those weaknesses. Um, how do you do both and know when, um, are you able to, God, are you able to switch off and navigate or do you have to separate them? So the old me would have gone a mile a minute, scheduled a thousand things, pretended everything was 100% perfect. We are crushing it. But that's not who I am anymore. Like I had an honest conversation with my kids and I just said, guys, I'm just being honest with you. Um, Dove is going to have to have this surgery. I'm going to need to be in the hospital. You're going to be home with daddy for probably, you know, five or six days. And mommy's sad and mommy's scared. And if I'm emotional or if I seem tired or it's not about you, it's about things that I'm feeling and nerves that I'm having. And it's normal to feel this way and to have these emotions, but we are all going to be okay. But I just want you to know, you don't need to worry. This is, this is part of life. And you know what? They understand that so much more than seeing a mom racing around on autopilot. That's what I was going to say. How did you come up with that strategy and realize that that was actually the the right um, the right move to kind of bond you guys together? You know, um, I think trial by error. Mm. I mean, a couple a month a couple months prior, my daughter had an accident where she slammed um, her finger in the front door and she amputated the tip of her finger. And you know, we're going to the hospital. I'm so scared. I'm trying to. I'm trying to be so strong. And she like held my hand and she goes, mommy, it's okay to cry, but just remember this wasn't your fault. I was like, how did she know that? How did she know that I was taking all this blame? Kids are smarter than we are sometimes. Oh, so the, so the, here's an interesting question then. If something happens to your kid and she hurts herself again, will you have remembered that? And will you go back and go, it isn't your fault? Or will you automatically slip back into the parent guilt? Well, I don't think so because I, I feel like with Dove, when she was diagnosed with lambocraniosynostosis, I would have originally thought like, what happened in the womb? Did I do something, you know, like, you know, whatever. But I didn't go there. I was solely thinking about like, what will this mean for her? What will this mean for her recovery? What will, you know, like I was, yes, I was still struggling, but I wasn't struggling in the place of blame. That's amazing and so freaking strong and powerful because I've just, I've had, um, you know, other women on the show or just friends who blame themselves if they have like miscarriages. Like that's the right. first thing that happens to women is they blame themselves. Um, so actually talk to me about the difference between a blame and accountability. Yeah. So if you focus on blame, if you focus on this is my fault, you're unable to move forward. Like, yes, I did take accountability and make some changes when that happened to Slate's hand. I didn't, you know, like I was like, okay, yes. What steps can I take to make sure this will never happen again in the same way? Okay, those things are done. All right, now we have to remove that portion from the blame. Now you have to move on from that. And now you have to focus on the new positives. You have to take, take accountability for how can you create a new normal for your daughter that can't use her right hand? Like we are resilient people if we focus on, and it's not always being positive, but focus on what we can control. What we can control, 
you know, what we can't hold ourselves accountable to is just like toxins in there rotting. Dude, there is a difference in emotion. So like blame and shame is very emotional. Um, everything else you said is more like logistical strategy. Like how are we going to learn from this? How are we going to grow? What are we going to do differently? And that change in perspective really has a massive impact on the outcome, right? Because now it's like, you're just thinking, how do you make it better? And oh, look at all these amazing things that she can now do that we wouldn't have thought of before versus just the blame and the shame is emotional and it keeps you down. It pushes you down and it keeps you there. Like you said earlier. And it keeps you not present, you know, like on when I was still on the blame and shame game, you know, slate had moved into the room with me. My husband had moved down into my son's room for a couple of weeks. Cause I needed to, you know, like she had to have medication in the middle of the night, those types of things. And had I been so concerned with continuing to blame myself, I wouldn't have had all these special moments with her as we were going to sleep. And had I been like so rigid about like our 8 p.m. bedtime and all these things that I like to be like, I had to pivot. And I had to say, like, I had to talk to her. I had to learn. I had to grow. Like, and I, 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 you know, I would say to her, like, you know, what's the hardest part for you right now? Or what's the best part? And she's like, you know, the best part, mom, is I've never spent so much time with you as I had these past three weeks. You know, like those types of things. And then you're like, wow, thank God I asked these questions. So often we're scared to ask the questions because we don't want to hear the answers. I needed to hear that answer. But so how do you do that? Because sometimes the answers aren't going to be what you want to hear. Have you always wanted to ask, um, have the honest answers, like, or ask the questions, I should say, or is that been through your growth? I, I think it's been through my growth. I mean, I think still to this day, sometimes I ask questions and I hear the answer and I don't want to hear it. And I don't want, and my first reaction will be mad. So if something you've said back to me immediately upsets me, then I know it's something that I wasn't ready to deal with yet. And then that's something that I start leaning into. So, you know, whenever that happens, like it, whether it happens with my husband or a friend or whatever, or through work, if my immediate reaction is to snap at you, it's something I need to work on. It's something that I need to like say, okay, this is, this is going to be one of my non-negotiables for today. This is maybe my non-negotiable for the next six weeks. I mean, it really depends on what the circumstance is, but you know, you have to hear it and you have to be ready to hear it. You may hear it and not actually be ready to hear it for six months. You may put your blinders on and go, okay, well, thanks for that information. I'm going to be a little annoyed at you. And then I'm going to carry on with my day, but it will linger in there. It will linger and linger and linger. And then like, there's been moments where I've had to apologize to someone six months later and go, Hey, you know, when you brought that up, you, you were, you were right. Mm -hmm. And you know, I wasn't ready. And I think that's a huge relief when you can say I wasn't ready. Nobody's going to judge you for not being ready. We're ready. It's so true. <laughs> All right, so how do you get ready? Because that's freaking hard. Because even what you said is, like, I don't think it's a one and done, right? Even now with someone like yourself who's done so much growth, so much incredible improvement on yourself, um, to just admit, I still have these things. So it's never going to be a one and done. So how do you start getting ready? And then um, how do you make sure that you continue to stay open to hearing that? Well, I think at first, when I feel that angry, that, you know, immediate, re like, that kick first, 
I say, is there something that I did in this conversation that I need to apologize to the other person for? Because that'll be the first thing that'll stop me from taking action. If I realize that I've done something offensive or hurtful or whatever it may be to the other person because I wasn't ready to hear that information and say, hey, you know, sorry about that. Maybe I wasn't ready to hear it or sorry about that. I'm still coming around to what you're saying or, you know, I shouldn't have responded the way that I did. I still don't fully agree with you, I, but I'm I. I know I need to think about it, whatever, whatever it may be. And you'll, you'll muck it up a million times as I do. Um, but then after I've kind of done that, then I give myself grace and say, it's okay. It's okay that this happened. It's okay that it's happened. What are the steps that you can do that maybe won't make this happen the exact same way again? And then once you kind of go through the process, normally it's not that difficult. Maybe it's, you take a breath before you answer, <laughs> you know, like maybe it's, you realize, wow, I actually asked the question and then I got mad at them for answering. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, it's so simple. We make things to be such a bigger deal than it is, but like really just for lack of a better phrase, dumbing it down or yourself. Mm. What was so upsetting about this? And then sometimes it's, because I just didn't want to take action yet because maybe I was exhausted or maybe it wasn't the right time. So maybe I move it off my non-negotiables list and I put it on my goals mm -hmm. and then I'll see it every day as I switch to my new journal page and I'll see it as one of the goals. And maybe after three weeks I'll go, okay, now it's time. Now it's time. Now I'm ready for this, but I'd never take it off because I know it's something that, I need to, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, it's to educate myself on this topic or it's uh, try to nag my husband less or you, it could be anything, but I just keep it on there to remind myself, okay, maybe you're not ready to address this fully now, but you've already eliminated the fact of, that you've offended whomever it is that made you realize that this happened. But when you're ready to actually focus on why you are doing this, then it happens and then it's then it feels effortless because then yeah. you're right. I love that. That was an amazing step-by-step. -step, so thank you for that. Um, I want to talk about, actually, you said nagging your husband. So I heard you say that you were watching um, back an older episode and you're like, God, I really do nag my husband a lot. Like, I really want to work on that. And going back to kind of the question I had earlier where it's you – you're able to see yourself in that space and see where, you know, a reflection is like, oh, okay, I can change that. How do you suggest your average person is able to identify those moments that may not be, um, that may need changing? So I can give you something like very simple. Like, for example, I'm very on time and my husband is not. Um, like he is like more of like, well, you know, get there when we get there. So what I used to do was I would sit there and we the kids and I, we would all wait by the front door and I would, we're all ready. We're all ready. We're all ready. And it just, then he'd get in the car and we'd all be upset. Hmm. Like there would just be this energy that like, then we'd have to work through before we go to do whatever it may be. So I started setting a boundary for myself. Teddy, you're not going to do that anymore. If you have somewhere you need to be with your family, the new way is I just would say, okay, Edwin, the kids and I are going to get in the car. We have to be there in, you know, 20 minutes and then that's it. Anything else from that point on is on him. Mm 
Mm. And then he started realizing, oh, wow, it's so nice to not have to get in the car and be nagged that like he started making changes too. So it's simple things like that, or it's talking about what you need in, in your relationship and what you like, for example, weekends. I would want like this full day all the time with all of us combined. And then if Edwin wasn't a hundred percent dad of the year, every second of a Saturday, I would get frustrated and then nag him for it. Now I realized let's talk about our schedules and what it is he needs on that Saturday morning. And he's like, Hey babe, can I just like have till 11 AM on Saturdays to get some work done? And then I'm yours. And just him saying that that's great. Now I'm not waiting for him to play on something. I'm doing my own thing with the kids or whatever it may be, but just setting your expectations. Mm. So it's like just realizing if you're having a constant issue with your significant other, talk figure out if if you're having to nag and you're consistently getting the same issue something needs to change would you rather be happy or right dude i'm so gonna steal that line do you want to be happy or right i love that so much it hit me so hard because you're so freaking right um and i think a lot of us over time get a little righteous in our beliefs and so that righteousness becomes even more, I think, dogmatic when you're in a relationship and the person doesn't agree. And I think that that's where over time a relationship can for sure splinter because it starts like, oh, you're just nagging, but that becomes like a real big issue. Yeah, it becomes a big issue. And then it becomes something that sets the tone for your moods, mm -hmm. both of you. So it's like once it, and if you avoid it and you just keep the nagging, then you don't actually move on. So you've got to come up with a plan a plan that works for you guys. And everybody may have a different plan or the plan may change, but like at least if you say what it is that's upsetting you or what it is that you need, then it's like, okay, now I have these new expectations and I can run with it. And now I can take action on things that make me happier. Yeah, God, I love that. And how long have you been with your husband? Uh, we've been together 10 years, 10 but we just years. had our eight year wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Um, the reason why I ask that is because at least for me, my husband and I, we're about to celebrate our, our 18th wedding anniversary. Wow. And um, one of the big things is being so honest, but being open to hear if you're asking the hard questions. So being open to hear the truth and the answers so that you can grow together. So one of the questions Tom and I like to ask each other, which is really hard to do, but it's like, what did you want in a wife that I don't have? Or what did I used to do for you that I don't do anymore that you wish I did again? So like hearing the actual answers and giving each other the space for them to say like, yes, I, I, when I was younger, I thought my wife would be like X, Y, and Z and you're not. Okay, babe. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What would you like me to improve on? Now, if no one wants to hear that, right? No one wants to hear like, you don't take care of me as much as I would like you to, you know, because, but that's the reality and a true conversation that me and my husband have. And we're okay with that because it doesn't mean that we're looking to change it, but we had to be honest and have those discussions in order to get here. Otherwise I would be a mess. I would be a guilt ridden wife that felt like she never lived up to her husband's expectations. So how did you and Edwin, <clears throat> excuse me, how did you and Edwin evolve? Because I assume you've, you've changed. I mean, like we all grow, you know, instinctualist is humans but also with the career that you do um during that change how did you both discuss things and then hold each other accountable to agreements that you guys had 
I mean, this is going to be a tricky thing, but a lot of our disagreements used to be about financial because we would have different ways that we like to spend money on what we want to spend money on in that type of situation. And for me, having my own financial stability and having the, I was able to become a decision maker. Oh, interesting, because you didn't feel like you were before. He never said that, never once, but I made myself feel that way. Oh. Because I wasn't, in my mind, I wasn't taking care of things that I needed to take care of that I I felt the need to look to him. Now I don't do that at all. You know, now it's like, hey, I want to do this. This is what I'm, (laughs) you know, this is what I'm doing. Um, You're welcome to be a part of it or not, but this is something that I'm going to do. So for me, it was like that, you know, there was a financial aspect to it because my entire life growing up and moving out here when I was 17, I had my own money. And it wasn't until I had kids that then I had become to, I had led myself to believe that now all of a sudden it was his, hmm. some dynamic that I created for myself that wasn't actually there, but you know, it was an issue that we evolved through. Well, in hindsight, then, if you could go back, what would you do differently? Let's say someone right now is listening and they're in that exact same situation. What would you advise them? So like example, I, um, when I first had Slate and I did, you know, I tried going back to riding horses for a living and I was taking her on the road with me and it was just brutal because I was like, this isn't what I wanted to do. You know, this isn't how I envisioned living hotel to hotel with my newborn while my husband's at home. When I came home and I decided that I was going to be a full-time mom, I didn't ever say to Edwin, you know, hey, I need some me time. I need, so, I, you know, I need someone to come help me. I need, uh, these are the things that I need to be a good mom. I didn't do that. So in turn, I started creating this like almost not anger, resentment towards him because he didn't instinctually know that I needed that. But the second that I decided I wanted to change my life and I wanted to do these things or like I, I needed a day where like him and I would do something just us, no kids, like and said those things to him, he always would do them. But so often we're scared to speak up because we don't want to hear the answer that then we create a much worse alternative for ourselves. That is so true. When I first married Tom, I was a stay at home wife and he went out to work and I felt like I had to ask him for permission. It's like, I want to buy, you know, a coffee. And it's like, I felt guilty because he was at work and I'm hanging out with my friends and I'm like, but I I shouldn't be spending this money without getting permission from him. And it started to make me feel so badly about myself and erode my own self-confidence that like what you said, I had to tell him, I was like, babe, I don't feel good anymore. And it was really hard to own it because it's just like, am I being whiny? Like he's the one going out and working. I'm being whiny that I feel like I'm spending the money. Like really, that's what I'm complaining about. But I was like, I have to. And we sat down and we ended up just you know, doing a very basic math equation, but we just split, you know, our spending money and I would get, you know, $50 or whatever a week. And I'd be like, this is my money and I can do whatever. I, at one point I considered, I was like, if I sat here and just burnt it, he can't tell me what to do. Like there was so much empowerment in that. So I think it's just having those hard hard conversations when it comes, you know, as you're growing and as you're growing together, you're going to have to have multiple of those conversations. 
Like still to this day, even Edwin, like he was obsessed with wanting to get these heat lamps outside of our house that I did not care about. And he's like, you want to go halfers on it? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> not care. You know, like, no. So if you want to do it, this is your thing. I'm not going to be here for when the guys come to fix it. I don't want to be a part of it. This is your jam. Now, there, are, there are other things that I care about that he's like, no, like I, this isn't an interest to me. And then there's some things that like where it's like our kids school where we're completely aligned and this is our plan and we come together. Sometimes that's what it takes. But sometimes you, it's OK to go. This is your thing. This is my thing. And that is OK as well. Like it's just about figuring out what works for your marriage. Or you may be somebody that's like in your marriage, it works out perfectly that everything's 100 percent ours or this. But you've got to figure out what works for you and your marriage. What works for you may not work for me. And that is OK. Mm-hmm. But in avoiding those conversations, you're going to have issues. Oh, girl, 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 this has been freaking amazing. I've got so many more questions that I could ask you, but I do want to ask, though, what is your superpower? I would say my superpower is I can always trust my gut. Hmm. If I always, if I trust that feeling deep down in my gut, it's normally on point. So I don't always trust it, but... (laughs) Interesting. So actually, when you don't trust it, you then just don't go with it? Or like you should go with it? I don't trust my gut, then it's a learning opportunity to realize like, you know, when it comes to a person or when it comes to a business decision, when it comes to anytime I go off like numbers or this or that or, you know, this consultant says this, it always backfires. Hmm. Or an interview with somebody that I want to hire or whatever it may be. If I go off of what is on paper, if I go off what somebody else told me to do, or if I don't trust my actual gut, it always backfires. Freaking love it, girl. Where can people find you and All In and all the amazing things that you're doing? Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. You can find me on Instagram at Teddy Mellencamp or my business Instagram is Go All In by Teddy, or you can find us online at allinbyteddy.com amazing guys guys seriously go check out this woman she's freaking amazing i was a big fan of hers before i even got to meet her and she really is the real freaking deal guys so go check her out go check out all she talks about about being holding yourself accountable go change your life right now and until next time be the hero of your own life peace out guys